Maybe we are running out of film choices on Netflix, but to quote, not from Plato, but Olaf the Snowman in Frozen 2, he says, I have thought of one thing that is permanent, and that is love. Paul describes what love actually looks like in a very concrete way in 1 Corinthians 13. And reading this, we can't help but say in this time, God help me live out this love, which Paul calls the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. But now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. And God's love be with us all. Some of you right now are checking the calendar to see if you miss Valentine's Day. Why all this talk about love this morning? Well, it's because I've heard a lot of talk about love all week. Love conquers hate. A lot of protest signs quoting the Beatles. All you need is love. A lot of social media posts and essays on the power of love. As our country and local communities lurch and convulse with protest and unrest and injustice and the coronavirus and political wrangling, it's like our better angels are trying to get their wings. We can do better. We can be better neighbors. We can be better people. Change is possible. Reconciliation is long overdue. And the umbrella that all of this goodwill gets stuffed underneath is called love. Sweet, sweet love is going to save all of our, solve all of our problems. Love is the answer, England Dan wrote. At least for most of the questions in my heart, Jack Johnson replied. And this is all correct. A hundred percent correct. Love is the answer. Love is all we need. Love is what heals a person. It's what heals a people. 
It can heal a society. And as a follower of the one who said the greatest commandment is to love God with all that we have and all that we are and to love our neighbors as ourselves, I am a firm believer that there is no problem in this world that can't be solved by that mantra, that commandment. Love is all we need. Love is the answer. However, most of the time, when we start talking about love, we don't have a clue what we're talking about. By love, we mean maybe returning to a status quo, or being undisturbed, or returning to the good old days, whatever that is. By love, we mean I want the other person to do what I would do. To act as I would act. To be like I am. By love we mean make me feel better about my life and about the world and about my place in it. By love we think of being sentimental of a pipe dream that everybody suddenly magically starts getting along. By love we think of this squishy kumbaya moment around a campfire. Where we braid our hair in pigtails and with flowers and break out the hookah pipe and lay back on a bed of rainbows and eventually ride off on our unicorns into the glory of the setting sun. That's not love. It's better than hate, but that's not love. For the statement, love is the answer. To have any credibility whatsoever, we must first recognize what actual, factual, practical, tactical love is. To help us with that, you've heard this text from 1 Corinthians 13. The greatest description of love, song, poem, art, or otherwise ever put to paper. Paul's elegant prose is familiar to you probably. It's been read at a million altars as couples tie the knot, and that's appropriate. But love's application extends far beyond romance or the promises between a bride and a groom. There are 13 verses in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians but verses 4 through 8 tell the tale. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So let's talk about love having three major points of contact with reality. Now, there are 15 different characteristics that Paul gives us here, but they move within three themes, and all three of these have to be working together for it to be a 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. It's not unlike a three-legged stool. If you take one of those legs away, it falls down. And remember, we're talking about the real thing here, the answer, what we need, not slushy Hallmark card definitions or the I'm trying to get you to come home with me at the bar kind of love. I'm talking about why we can't be healed today and why love is the answer to our own healing. Love in three pieces. First of all, love is acceptance. It is acceptance of the other. The white other, the black other, the gay other, the straight other, the citizen, the immigrant, the man, the woman, the Democrat, the Republican, the Baptist, the Catholic, 
the English speaker, the Chinese speaker, the country music listener, and the hip-hop hipster. Love begins with acceptance. I look at a person and receive them as a human being, crowned with dignity, with inherent worth, as a child of God. And the words that Paul uses, kindness, the lack of envy, an unwillingness to boast, the absence of pride, that part about not being easily angered, that is acceptance. And it's really not about emotionalism. It's not about having all the feels. It is an attitude. It is a stance that we take toward others. I will be kind with my words and my actions. I will not try to Take what belongs to others and make it mine. I will keep my cool when those inevitable moments come that I will be offended. I affirm and I accept you as a person. This destroys the social media business model, I know. But here it is. Love begins with acceptance. Second, love is justice. That wild man Cornel West coined the phrase, never forget that justice is what love looks like in public. And he bases that on 1 Corinthians 13. How so? Love does not dishonor others. Verse 5, it is not self-seeking. It keeps no record of wrongs. That is, it takes each situation honestly for what it is. Verse 6, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. Now we start talking about justice, and some people immediately... Think punishment. Righteous retribution. That's what we need. But that's not what we need. Because that's not justice. Justice is not vengeance. Ultimately, justice is an act of reconciliation. We are real good at punishing others. It takes no love whatsoever to punish someone. Justice. Fixing what is wrong honoring, protecting others while seeking and living in the truth. Brothers and sisters, that ain't easy. But that's what love is. And third, love is perseverance. Paul says, love is patient. It is trusting. The word that he uses here means steadiness. It hopes, it perseveres, it never fails. It doesn't give up when the days are dark. It doesn't quit because things don't go right for a week or two weeks or a month or a century. It stays on the job. It stays there with a view of accepting others and committing to working for justice. This is that three-legged stool, acceptance, justice, perseverance. Take any one of these away and the whole thing will fall down. You're dealing then with something that is less than love because love that only accepts has no power against evil and what is wrong in the world. Love that only seeks justice becomes angry and vengeful. Love that doesn't persevere until the work is done is simply a sentimental idea. You have to have all three of these working together. Now, to the issue at hand. What does love look like in the summer of 2020 in the United States of America? If we had another summer of love, what would that mean today? Acceptance. That Hispanic man working in your neighborhood who's pouring concrete, cutting the grass, 
He is a human being made in the image of God. Begin there before you start judging him on the basis of his citizenship. That black woman protesting in the streets for fear of her son's safety. She has had a different life experience than yours, a different history, a different view of the world. Accept and understand that before you cast judgment on the credibility of her message. That police officer doing his best in impossible times. He has a family that he loves. He didn't sign up for riot control. You have no idea whether or not he is a bigot. Start with the fact that he is a functioning, breathing human being made in the image of God. More kindness, less envy, less boasting, less pride, less anger. You see, the more we judge our neighbors in advance, then the less space we have within us to accept them. The more we have to be right about our opinions, then the less capacity we have to actually understand where someone else is coming from. The more we must protect what we think is ours, the less we have to share with others who need it. You would think today that warm-hearted acceptance was, was against the very tenet of Christianity, but it is not. It is the very beginning of love and what Christianity is. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by the love you have one for another. And it begins with acceptance. Justice. Same examples. Well, that Hispanic man is illegal. He should go to jail. Well, that's not justice. That's punishment. Justice says, why would a man have to travel by foot thousands of miles to earn a safe living, work like a slave often exploited just to send that money back home to a family that he has been separated from. Justice works on fixing those root problems that make the legal or illegal status only a symptom of the greater disease. Punishment is easy. Justice is damn hard. Because it takes love to pull off justice. That black woman protesting, why has it come to this? What long-standing pain is driving her to the street? That police officer who is a bigot and who is abusive, who is a stain on every good law enforcement officer and public servant in the land, how does he keep getting hired? Reinforcing polarization is easy. Locking people up is easy. Sniping on social media is easy. Justice is a work of love and it is hard. Because love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. Love protects. I'll keep going. Loving justice means rioters and looters should be arrested to protect the greater community. It means abusive police officers should be arrested for the same reasons. It means peaceful protesters should be allowed their voice and their time because only protest changes an unjust system. My God, we are Protestants. We would not exist today outside the Catholic Church if we hadn't at some point through wild and crazy continent-wide protest for the sake of our faith. 
Justice means we honor others in the struggle. We sacrifice. We are quick to forgive and to restore. We call evil, evil, and joyfully do what? Right. Always. To the end. No matter what. And naturally, that brings us to that third and final thing again. Acceptance and justice don't magically materialize in a moment or even a year or a decade. It takes perseverance. If you are a peaceful protester on the side of acceptance and justice, you stay at it. If you are a police officer serving and protecting with fairness and ethics, you keep your hand on that plow and don't quit because we need good people like you. If you, in your place of business or where you work, it is your responsibility to keep the powers that be's feet to the fire of acceptance and justice. You keep on keeping on. Keep teaching your children to love. Keep peacefully challenging those who do not. It's not love if we don't die with our boots on trying to finish the good work that God has given us to do. To our last breath. To the very end. So a final living, breathing Beautiful example of what could be used in our own country. It's a picture of love, the kind of love I've talked about today. In contemporary times, no one has taught the world more about love and restoration and forgiveness, acceptance, justice, perseverance than Nelson Mandela. As a young man, he was angry, he was hateful, he was a rioter. He wanted to burn it all down. He matured a little bit, changed his tactics. He still got him in trouble. For resisting South African apartheid, he was sentenced to 30 years in prison. 30 years in prison. He came out as an old man and was summarily elected president of the country as the apartheid fell apart. And a changed man with this moral and ethical and spiritual center about him, he sought to guide his country through reconciliation not punishment, reconciliation. He and Desmond, Bishop Desmond Tutu established the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. It earned them the Nobel Peace Prize, holding the country together. And the commission was incredibly controversial because blacks wanted blood and whites wanted the past to stay in the past and not talk about it. And as the saying goes, when you're trying to be a bridge, You're going to get walked on by both sides. And they got walked on, but they stayed with it because they believed in it. And the Truth and Reconciliation Commission met for three years. They reviewed and published and confessed all the atrocities that the white minority had inflicted upon the African majority that they could find. They told the whole story. They told everything. And then they set about the work of redemption. And the rules were very simple. If a white policeman or army officer voluntarily faced his accusers, confessed his crimes, and fully acknowledged his guilt, he could not be tried or punished for that crime. But he or she had to own up to it. Can you imagine? Philip Yancey tells one story about a policeman named Vanderbrook who shot and killed an 18-year-old boy. And then they burned his body in order to destroy the evidence. Eight years later, eight 
years later, Vanderbrook returned to that same family and sees the boy's father. And the boy's mother and this man's wife watched as they tied this man to a brush pile, doused him with gasoline, and burned him to death. And here sat Vanderbrook on the witness stand, confessing his sins, facing his accusers. The judge asked the old woman who was still alive, what do you want from Mr. Vanderbrook? And the whole courtroom watched as this little old lady stepped up to the microphone. And she said that what she wanted was for Vanderbrook to go to the place where they had burned her husband's body and gather up all the dust so that she could give him a decent burial. His head was down and Vanderbrook agreed. And then she said this, Mr. Vanderbrook took all my family away from me, but I still have a lot of love to give. Twice a month, I want him to come to the ghetto and spend a day with me so I can be his mother. And I would like Mr. Vanderbrook to know that he is forgiven by God and that I forgive him too. And I would like to embrace him now so that he can know that love is real. Spontaneously, the entire courtroom broke into singing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And that old woman got up from her chair and she walked to the witness stand to embrace the man who had killed her husband and her son, but he could not embrace her and he could not sing the song because he had fainted dead away, overwhelmed by accepting just and persevering love. That's not a utopian story I'm telling you today. That actually happened. And if it can happen there, with the atrocities on that continent, it can happen anywhere. But people of God and followers of Christ have to make the first moves. Because if you're waiting for an unjust world to do what is just, you will die waiting. But if you choose this path of accepting, of justice, and perseverance. You got something to live for. So you keep telling people that love is the answer. You keep posting those stories and pictures and videos that prove as much. You keep believing it. You keep singing it. You keep living it. You keep working at it. But never forget what it is you speak of, what you sing about, and what you are living for. It is acceptance. It is justice. It is perseverance. And there is no love by any other name.